So our new series called Creed is going to be six weeks walking through the Apostles' Creed, and then we're going to look at some of the history of it, and, and we're going to go kind of line by line. What does it mean? What did it mean to those who wrote it and developed it, and, and, and what does it mean for us to, to know it and to live it out in the 21st century? With that, we're also launching some small groups. Uh, we have a younger adult small group that's starting on Tuesday evenings, and there's a one here at the church on Wednesday evenings, and some of the other small groups, the, uh, the Sunday night group, the Starling group on Tuesdays, and Pathfinders on Sunday mornings will also be utilizing the curriculum. So it's, if you want to get involved in a small group for a short time with no long-term commitment, six weeks, and, and can, you can be out if you want, and uh, it, now's a good time to try that out here in these next couple of weeks. So I'd encourage you to Get information there in the bulletin, and you can contact the office or visit the hub to uh, sign up or find out more. So what is a creed? A creed is, is a statement of belief. The, the word is, comes from credo, which means I believe, just like in the video, I believe this. And, and the, the Apostles' Creed is, is no different than that. It's a statement of belief. It's a summary statement of the basic Christian faith. It's, it's the essentials. It's the core. It's, it's the roots of our faith, the foundation on which everything else is built. It is not Scripture. It's, it's not found as is in in the scripture text anywhere, maybe like where the Lord's Prayer is, is found, but it is all based on scripture. It's, it's a theological statement, and, and, and theology is just a $7 word that, that means the study of God or, or talking about God. It's, it's a theological statement of what we believe. And, and the development of the creed just by its name, one might think it was written by the apostles, right? The, the 12 apostles that we have now gathering, but it wasn't. It, an apostle is simply just a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus. We are apostles. We are disciples. We are followers of Jesus. But the legend goes that after Pentecost, which will occur on June 9th for us this year, after Pentecost and, and the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit, the legend says that then they set out together, they were going to go throughout the world and disperse themselves and teach this faith, and they decided, hey, we better figure out exactly what is this thing that we're going to teach. They were, they were kind of developing the curriculum, so to speak. And, uh, and the legend says that they sat down and each one of them kind of came up with, with a line, 12 disciples, and there's about 12 lines. So the legend says they each came up with a line so that they would be able to go out and when they dispersed and when they were alone and, and out uh, sharing the good news, that they would know what to share and it would also remind them of their faith. And this legend kind of held until the 15th century, until some discoveries of some ancient texts came about that kind of put that legend to rest. And the actual history is that the Apostles' Creed was developed over hundreds of years, we, we, uh, about 700 years to be in fact, and, and it was developed to define what we believe to be true and to combat things that were not true. Another $7 word called heresies. And there was plenty of heresies in the early church. And so they were writing, this is what we believe, 
And so this is what's right, and you're talking about something that's wrong. You're a heretic, and, and this is what we need to follow. They were, they were trying to combat some things like Gnosticism and Docetism and Marcionism and Arianism, kind of big words that basically were saying that the things that people were, were saying about God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and about his humanness, Jesus' humanness and divinity were not right. So they wanted to put it on paper of what do we believe. And it took about 700 years, because we see glimpses of this right in Scripture. Paul writes in Romans 6, 17, that, but thank God that although you used to be slaves to sin, you gave wholeheartedly obedience to the teaching that was handed down to you, which provides a pattern. That teaching that was handed down in a pattern is the beginnings of this creed development. We begin to see that also in writings that are discovered in the, in the second century. And, and the, the Apostles' Creed takes its kind of form that we know it today around the 8th century. It went through many different ideas and different forms. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, this idea of a, uh, a creed is not new to us as Christians. Many other faiths have creeds, and, and the Jewish community had a creed as well. Their basic creed was what was called the Shema. It appears in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And you may have heard this before. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That was their creed. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And it went on to say then, Love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And these commandments that I give to you today are to be put on your hearts and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your homes and on your gates. For the Jewish community, this was their creed. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And today we're looking at this, this first line that we say in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And really, this part of our creed doesn't do anything to separate us from what the, the Jewish community believed. That's exactly what they believe. They believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And they believe that the Lord our God is one. And that's what we're saying in this first line, that first we believe there is a God. We're putting our faith and trust in a God. And then we're also saying it's in one God, which for the ancient Near East would have been a, a big deal because most of the other people around them were polytheistic religions. They had many different gods. And, and the Jews were saying, we believe in one God, and the Christians coming after them said, we too believe in one God, Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. And the other thing is that we, we talk about here is the creator of, and maker of heaven and earth. There's an old story from uh, the 18th century about this pastor, William Paley. And he, he gave this analogy. And Analogies, analogies about our faith that at, at, at some point all break apart and don't quite work. 
but he was giving this analogy about how we know there is a creator God. And it, it's a pretty good one up to a point. And he talks about a watch. If he was to find a watch someplace on his, his walking path, he knows that this watch just didn't appear out of thin air. That, that this watch had to have been assembled and put together and, and it had to be finely done and, and, and took great care and planning. And if we take that same analogy to our world, the world is even greater than a watch, more intricate, more involved, and more detailed than a watch. And the world has more, more subtle and, and complex design than a watch. And the, the world has an endless variety of, of means that can be adapted. And so he said, therefore, the existence of this watch implies there is a watchmaker. And the existence of our world assumes there is a world maker. And this is our first statement. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, or creator of heaven and earth. There's also a really funny joke here, and it says there's a couple scientists around, and they had discovered how to clone many different animals. They really figured they had figured out all the ins and outs of, of science, and they were going to go talk to God and say, you know, we've got this all figured out. And so they went up to God and said, yeah, Lord, we, you know, we don't, we don't need you anymore because we have figured out how to clone just about anything we want. We've, we've analyzed everything there is to analyze down to the most minute detail. We just don't really, we don't need you. And God said, well, let's have a little contest. You all create a human being, and I'll create a human being, and we'll see who does it better. And so the scientists bent down, or God bent down and, and grabbed some dirt and began to create and the scientists followed suit, and they, they bent down and grabbed some dirt, and God said, no, 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 you go get your own dirt. That's a simple little tale. And I'm not saying that I don't believe in science. It's just the opposite. I think we have much to learn from science. There's a, there's a lot that we can take away, and we're still learning through the, through the study of science. But indicators show that, that, that there had to be some kind of a designer. There had to be some kind of master planner, a creator that made this wonderfully amazing, complex world that we live in. And to those who developed the Apostles' Creed over hundreds of years, they believed that person was God, and so do I. So we believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Now you might be saying, okay, well, so what? So what about this creed? What does this have to do with what we do today when we leave this place, when we go out to lunch or go about our afternoon and do our chores? And well, I think there's two things we need to know about this mentally. We need to have knowledge. We need to have head knowledge about what this creed says, all the different parts of what it means. And that's what, one of the reasons we're going to walk through this. Some have said this is kind of like your elevator speech. Those of you guys who are in, in business and sales maybe especially, or you're an entrepreneur, you know, the elevator speech is you have two or three minutes and you have to be ready to give your talk to, to this kind of audience that you have for this short time about 
what you're doing and why you're there while they have their attention. And some have said this, the Apostles' Creed is kind of like that elevator speech, that in, in about a minute we can give, here's the faith that we have in Jesus Christ and God the Father and, and the Holy Spirit. It's easy to remember. It's, it's a reminder for us of our faith, and that's two of the reasons why we do it each and every week or do some kind of creed each week here. It's not only important that we believe, but it's important what we believe. And the Apostles' Creed helps us to stay straight of what we believe and what we don't believe. We might not be facing and fighting heresies like they were in the early church, but we need to know what we believe and what we don't believe. And just like the disciples in those early times, we need to do that so that we can end up, if we engage with someone perhaps of a different faith or for, for of a different bent of Christianity, that we can engage in a meaningful conversation about what we believe and what we don't. So we need to have head knowledge about what does this mean. But I also think we need to, we need to have uh, to know this transformationally. I mean, that's the reason we're here. We're not just here to, to gather a lot of information like the confirmation. We're not just here to go to school. We're here to be transformed by what all this says. So we need to know transformation. We allow, allow this knowledge to transform our lives. We need to have a, a heart knowledge. You know, the purpose of our faith life is not just to gain knowledge, but it's also to be transformed by this knowledge and by living it out. This, uh, the Apostles' Creed, by the way, confirmands, this was used in the early church as the teaching tool. This would have been your confirmation. And not just about 13 weeks you would have been in, but it would have been about a year-long process at least. And then during the Lenten season, they would, as you guys were, it would up the classes and they would, they would really get intense. And then on, on Easter Sunday, they would come and, and they would be examined. And, and just like Greg said today, do you believe in God? They would ask a question and those who are being baptized would come and, and relay the answer in the form of the Apostles' Creed just like we did this morning. And then they would be baptized and washed and, and welcomed into the family of God there on the Easter morning. It was a much longer process, but the Apostles' Creed was, was a center point of that curriculum. And the purpose was not just so those people could memorize. They were, do you really believe this? Are you willing to stake your life on this belief? Because for the followers in the early church, in the Roman Empire especially, they were literally staking their life on following this creed to be transformed. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, All of us are looking with unveiled faces at the glory of the Lord as if we were looking in a mirror. We are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to the next degree of glory. And this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I love that line, we are being transformed into the same image. All of us are, are being transformed into the same image, that image of Christ, this image of God in, in the Apostles' Creed. And, and we're all moving from one degree of glory to another. For some of us, it may be the beginning of our journey and we're moving from one degree of glory to another. Some of you have been in the church and in this faith life a long time and you're moving from one degree to another. For our compromands, they took a step today and they're moving from one degree of glory to another degree. 
And I think about our confirmants today and what the, what the creed means to you today as, as, a, as, a, as a student, as a youth. It's probably different than it was before you had this confirmation experience, and it will be different as you grow and get older and spend your life journeying on this faith path. And likewise for us, now years removed from our confirmation experience or not having a confirmation experience, it means something else for us. I know as, as in my mid-40s, this, this text means something different to me even than it did five or ten years ago. The Apostles' Creed is part of my morning ritual that I walk through. And it's my hope that in these next few weeks that it will begin to mean something different for all of us. And I'd invite you to take those cards that are in your bulletin that have the Apostles' Creed written on it. And you can maybe want to tape it up on the mirror in the bathroom or stick it in your Bible or, or in your car. And when you have some time in these next six weeks, just, just read over it. If you have a minute at a stoplight, instead of trying to sneak your phone and see if anybody's text you or check Facebook... I mean, I know none of you guys do that. Maybe run through the Apostles' Creed and try to commit it to memory. I think you might be surprised how much you already know. But not only to memory, but to, to, to work it through that, okay, what am, I, what am I saying, not just to recite it? And well, that way we'll put the essentials of our faith inside of us, in our hearts and in our minds. You know, maybe today... This is your first commitment that you might be making that, you know, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven. Maybe today that, that light bulb is going off to you and you're connecting the head knowledge and the heart knowledge and I believe today. And maybe you've been following God for a while and, but you're ready to, to recommit to a different point, to move from one glory to another glory. Or maybe you're someplace else in between. As we close our time of worship, the, the altar is open. It's a, it's a great place to pray. And I invite you to come and pray as we close in song about building this kingdom, by being transformed by this text and working as co-creators with God to bring about this kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? Amen. Would you stand as we continue to worship?
right, we are um, welcoming Ron Pitchford up. He has an announcement from SPR, which is, if you don't know, it's basically like the human resources of the UMC. Good morning, church. You can be seated. What a great Sunday. Congratulations to all the confirmands. That's awesome. Congratulations. Um, as I'm sitting here thinking about Confirmation Sunday, I was reminded, and as I listened to the sermon, that I'm just an imperfect man, and I'm trying to look to and guide others to a perfect God. And uh, I think today's message and confirmation is just a good reminder of that. As Angela mentioned, I do have an announcement that I want to share with the, uh, the Grace family here. And uh, over the last several months, with much prayer, study, and consultation, We've been examining unique uh, opportunities for the growth of Grace Community in both number and spiritual depth. The Staff Parish Relations Committee, our Church Council, the District Superintendent Candace Lewis, and Bishop Ken Carter have been involved in ongoing discussions regarding the future of our church. These discussions have led to review and examine our strategic plan and current staffing model. In the past several years, we've not been achieving the results we had hoped, and therefore, we're looking ahead, rather than just plugging in traditional positions within an organizational chart. We are trying to look at staffing and strategies in a more holistic manner, taking into account the congregational needs, community needs, and plans for future growth. This has led the, bis the bishop and the district superintendent to decide to, to appoint a new pastor at Grace Community beginning July 1st. Reverend Tracy Ashley will begin serving as co-pastor here at Grace. We are looking at our staffing with new eyes and methods. We, do ex we decided to explore a growing and successful trend to appoint a clergy couple as co-pastors. In the Florida Conference, there are 29 clergy couples, and 15 of them currently serve together as co-pastors. This strategy will help us focus on putting multifaceted personnel in the right positions in order to strategically move our mission forward. That's earning more people for Christ and for the benefit of our current church family and the community around us. Pastor Tracy brings a great deal of varied talent in many different churches. With her appointment, this will allow the Staff Parish Relations Committee and the current staff to continue to discern the best organizational model based on the needs of the church and our staff's skills and talents. We are excited about Pastor Tracy's addition and are looking forward to our future with her as one of our pastors. Should you have any questions, please do not hesitate to reach out to a member of the SPRC, Kenny Lewis, Kristen Capol, Eric Zimmerman, or myself, Ron Pitchford, your lay leader, and we'd be happy to speak with you. We're very excited about this time and really looking forward to the future and what God has planned for us here at Grace. To our confirmands, congrats again. 
And as I send you forth with this benediction, um, just know that God is working and moving among this place. And it's so great to see such a packed house today on this special day as uh, you get ready to go from this place to celebrate the wonderful confirmation that uh, we've, we've just celebrated to hear. So hear this benediction as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Amen. Amen.